0: This morning, when Keith had asked me if I'd come back, it's one way to get rid of me from the men's retreat and share with you. Obviously, I asked the Holy Spirit, what am I going to talk about? What do you want to share? And, and, the, and the Psalm 103 came to my mind. Do we have it up here? Are we going to go with that one? And I said, okay, that's nice. But I kind of dismissed it, you know, there may be something else. I had a couple of thoughts of my own. But see, the Holy Spirit isn't as interested in my thoughts as he is in his own. And if you ever notice that, God's a little preoccupied with what he wants to do. And so... He finally came out, okay, this is it. So I shared with the Lord, I said, well, I'm going with Psalm 103. If it's different, you're just going to have to let me know. And so at the men's retreat, interestingly, a section of the sermon that Keith was preaching Friday night was from what Psalm 103. And so this is going to be a little different than what he was talking about, but it's just amazing to me and maybe to you. How the Holy Spirit knits everything together. Amen? He just knits it together. So, we're going to be discussing Psalm 103. And the heart of this psalm is is this. And you could be turning in your Bibles to Psalm 103, it's in the Old Testament. When we survey our lives, how many of you can say this? My life is absolutely free of any difficulty, of any drama, of any problems. Everyone in my life is lovely, is caring, is understanding. Is sweet. Raise your hand if that's you. All of us I think can say this. Life. Is really good in Christ. Do you agree with that? But man. Sometimes. I can be really tested. There can be things that are going on. You see, you just don't know what's happening in my family. You don't know what's happening at work. You don't know my background, how I was treated, how I was raised. You don't know my spouse. And so the emphasis of this psalm is pretty simple. That in every circumstance, no matter what is happening... That we are to get praise God. You remember what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 18. And I just gave you a sheet of paper with a bunch of lines on it. You just take notes as the Holy Spirit leads you to take notes. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, 16 and 18. The apostle says this. Rejoice always. Well, that's easy for Paul to say, is this too loud? I don't want this to be too loud. That's easy for Paul to say because that's Paul the apostle. How many of you ever had that thought? Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, only three of you. Pray without ceasing. Well, of course, John, that's Paul. Right? He's the apostle. In everything do what? Give thanks. Why? Because this is God's will for you. And so why is it important to, in the midst of everything that goes on and in the face of everything and at the moment of everything going on in my life, good, bad, ugly, pretty, whatever it is, why is it so important That these verses should be what we do. Why is that important? You see, because first of all, and fundamentally, God simply is worth our praise. Do you believe that? God simply is worth our praise. Also, in doing this, God is honored. He is exalted. He is raised up in our own minds and in our own lives, but also in the witness of other people, seeing what you're going through. You see, it's easy. I just got to raise. Everything's fine. There's no illness in my family. All the appliances are working. All my bills are paid. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. And hey, that's easy. And it says a little bit about God, but what says the most about God is what? When everything I just said is wrong, you know, the opposite. And in the midst of it, I can still say what? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. That gets the attention of others. It gets the attention of angels, and it gets the attention of Satan. But mostly, it gets the attention and the pleasing of our God. You see, failure to do this, to give this kind of thankfulness to God, is one of the marks of the unrighteous. You remember in Romans chapter 1 Paul begins to talk about the gospel with which he is not ashamed because in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith and then he turns and in verse 18 he begins to talk about the unrighteousness of men women too and down in verse 21 he says although they these unrighteous people the unsaved the ungodly Although they knew God, and by the way, may I say something which I typically always will say, there's no such thing as an atheist. When God tells you the knowledge of God is in every man's heart and mind, what does that mean? Everybody believes in God. I don't care what they say. So if someone says he's an atheist, I never say, well, Joe's an atheist. I say, Joe says he's an atheist. And so these unrighteous people, they know God, but they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And so to the extent that we are regularly and continually, habitually thanking and praising God, our souls... Or being invigorated. How many of us would be satisfied if our children just ate ice cream and candy all day? Now, they would be okay with that up to a point. But then it would begin to even in them work what? Mm -hmm. And so you see, praising God, blessing his name, thanking him regularly... And especially when it feels like you don't want to do this. Is eating the richness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And is taking in the vitality of God. And I believe that all of us would say we all need a lot more vitality. And so you see such praise is a primary means of of God not only invigorating us. But it is also a primary means of God protecting us, not against the attacks of the enemy, because the enemy will always attack. So don't ask God to keep you from being attacked, ask God to keep you in faith, in trust. To protect your heart from being overcome and polluted and weakened by the attacks. And so praise, worship, blessing is one of the ways that God has given to us to protect us from the fiery darts of the enemy. Remember Ephesians chapter 6, the fiery darts that he flames at us. To protect us from those things entering our hearts and then all of a sudden our passions, our souls, our minds are erupting in fear and frustration and anger and dissatisfaction. Why so much of that? One of the primary reasons is we are not doing what we are to do fundamentally. And that is making a decision. Do you notice, did you hear what I just said? Making what? A decision. May I repeat that one more time, Gwen? Making a what? A decision. To praise God. No matter what's happening. Now you see, my wife would tell you, I am perfect in this. She give me the eye. She's not going to do that. So Psalm 103, as you probably know, was penned by David. You remember King David? And the probability is that he wrote this psalm toward the end of his life. Now, it's easy. David, David's the king. If anybody can continually bless God and thank him and... No, he ain't got no problems and no nothing's going on bad in his life. It's David. He's the king. He's at the top of the heap. He's the one with all the money. He's the one who has all the advantages in life. Certainly, he can say to us what we're going to hear in Psalm 103. Well, he's the king. But you see, David was a man whose life was filled with a wide range of experiences. The first time we read about David, what is he doing? He's over there on the side of the hill taking care of sheep while his brothers are out there fighting. His brothers are somebody. He's a shepherd. As a young man, he's ridiculed by his brothers made fun of (laughs) then he he comes to an important place he's anointed to be king by samuel the prophet wow and then he was first loved by king saul and then things turned and saul began to hate him and hound him so david became a fugitive And so he finally became the king of Israel and experienced great success. Wonderful. But then that's not the end of David's life. What did he do? He committed adultery and murder. Remember Bathsheba. His sons turned against him. His sons. They plotted against their dad. He had to get out of town. They were trying to kill him. Your own family. Remember his little infant son born from Bathsheba from that adulterous affair. What happened to her? what happened to that little boy? He died. You see David experienced huge success and great failure. Wonderful victories And great defeats, great joy, but very deep sadness. So when we look at David at the end of his life, a man who's had these experiences, how often is it that our life is peppered certainly with a lot of experiences, just a full range But how often is it that when we begin to experience what we consider as these are not right, this is wrong, this is bad, this shouldn't be happening to me, that too often those experiences begin to define our reaction. And so at the end of David's life, you may expect looking at all of this and so much more, perhaps you would expect to see an embittered old man. Man, do you know what? My son did this and he did that and this happened and that happened and I got juiced out of that and I didn't get that raise and this one did that and so on. Would you be surprised if David... Ended his life on that note? Would you be surprised given his experiences? No. But what kind of a man do we find toward the end of his life? What do we see? We see a man who wrote Psalm 103. So let's look at the first verse. And when you read this Psalm, listen to it from the perspective of a man who has experienced not only what most of us have experienced, but has gone way beyond what most of us have ever experienced. So whatever your most difficult experience is, his probably is better or worse, whatever you want to call it. So here's a man who looks back over the years of his life, and because this has been the habit of his life, he can say this Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Amen? Amen. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. The word bless it's a simple word it just means to praise to eulogize how many of you have been to funerals where members of the family or friends will stand and say all kinds of good things hopefully about the deceased that's a eulogy it's a bragging upon these are complimentary sayings so the word bless means to brag to eulogize, to praise, to say good and complimentary things about. Bless what? The Lord. Now, who's the Lord? The word Lord there, is your Bible, does it have a capital L and then a capital um, O-R-D, but in lowercase or maybe all in uppercase, does your Bible have that? That word, Lord, That way is used over 6,800 times in the Old Testament. And it refers to the personal name of Yahweh, the God of Israel, the God of glory, the God of creation. Remember Moses being told by God when Moses is called to Mount Sinai to appear before the Lord of glory through the burning bush. And Moses says, I must turn aside and see this sight. And when he gets there, the Lord says, Moses, Moses, take off your shoes from off your feet. For the ground upon which you stand is holy ground. And then he says, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Behold, I am sending you. And Moses, (laughs) what do you mean, me? I'm going to go back and deliver these slaves from Pharaoh. And Moses wants to know, who are you? Who are you? What's your character? What's your purpose? Do you have the power? Can I depend upon you? Who are you? What's your name? That's all collected in that word name. And the Lord says, What? I am who I am. Tell Israelites, I am, hath sent you. Yahweh, I am. This is the God of glory. So, David is speaking about not thanking anything and everything out there, but making a specific object of his blessing. And that is the God of glory. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. What is our soul? Our soul is that inner life, if you would, that lives inside of this physical cage. It has to do with our inner being, our mind, our desires, our affections, our motives. It's the inside of us. It's that aspect of our life, that part of us, if you would, that lives forever. So when we die, the soul, the person on the inside who's looking out will go on for eternity. Isn't that amazing? When we shed these bodies, we will live forever. In a body that will never deteriorate. But it's only good news if you're going to live in the presence of God forever rather than in the cauldrons of hell forever. Oh, we're going to live forever. That's not the question. The question is what? Where are you going to live forever? Where? Where? There's coming a day none of us can escape this when our physical life will end if Jesus doesn't return first and then it will end in a different way than us dying of a disease or something. We're going to live forever. But where is the awesome question? Not whether or not, but where? And then David says, you know... Oh, my soul, I want to make sure all that is within me, all that, everything about me, everything about me, everything about who I am, where I have come from, all of my experiences, all of my hopes and my desires, my mom and them, the way they treated me, where we live, where I went to school, what advantages I had, what disadvantages I had, how people treat everything about me as a human being, let it all bless the Lord. Amen? Yes, all of it. Look at your life and consider all the crazy things. I I was not raised in a loving, caring family. There were problems in my family the way I was raised. And yet, the Lord has taught me that I can collect all those memories And say, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Right? You see, when I say bless, and when David says bless the Lord, he's not saying, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, except. So think of the worst thing. Can you bless the Lord for it? The worst thing. You see, even though David's life was filled with all sorts of circumstances, he made it his habit to regularly bless the Lord. And the two primary reasons for this. The first is this. Why can David bless God? Why can he do it? Because he's been blessed by God. Now, I've heard from people, and I understand what they're trying to say. And I do see it that way. They are trying to say something, but they're not saying it. Don't praise God for what he's done, but praise him for who he is. Well, that's backward. How do you know who he is unless you know what he's done? Are you with me? Are you awake today? The primary way God reveals himself to me is through what he does. So David says, my life has been filled with God's faithful blessings. Can any of us who are believers, who are saved, who are Christians, who are born again, can any of us say that God has not blessed our lives? Are we a people filled with blessings? Are you awake this morning? Are you there? Are we a people filled with blessings? Yes or no? Yes, yes, yes. We're filled with them. David's life was filled with blessings. And because of this, he knew something of this God of his. So in verse 2, he says, bless the Lord and O my soul and forget not all his benefits. See, he says, I'm going to praise God and I'm going to bless his name because I have received benefits and blessings from God. And in those blessings and benefits, I have learned about God himself. So you thank God for the blessings and for the benefits. And so all we're going to do for the rest of the time is just look at the next several verses, three to five. We won't go through the whole psalm. So what are some of these blessings? He lists five of them. What are some of the blessings that David remembers and the Holy Spirit recalls to David's mind? As the Holy Spirit says, I've done this. And David says, bless your name. I've done this bless your name and in each one of these with each blessing I want you to consider and I'm going to ask you to do this at the end if we have enough time I think by 4 30 we'll be out of here well it's raining outside anyway and the Super Bowl is not the next week or whenever and the Saints didn't win so who cares As we go through this, take the piece of paper you have and a pen. You have a pen, a pencil, somebody? You have everybody have something? And I want you to write on your notes right now. It's okay. That's what they're giving for. I want you to write down what you might consider, whether something present or in the past, but something that still aggravates you, picks on you. I want you to write down what might be the worst thing you can think of. Go ahead. Write it down. Go ahead, write it down. The worst thing. Now, I know a lot of you. I do because we, we, we have counseling. And I'm not going to come down there and say, James, did you write? <laughs> Linda Reed, did you write? <laughs> you know, Karen, did you? I'm not going to do that. Write down, everybody write something down. Write down what you would consider as, boy, this is bad or wrong. Nick, do you have something in mind? Huh? You're getting there. Okay. Over against this issue. Less poised some of the benefits of God. And let's make a decision to weigh what is wrong or bad or whatever in your life against the benefit of God. Are you with me? Hmm? Whatever it is, weigh it against this Benefit. Verse three who forgives all your iniquity. Forgiveness. Brother Ronald already talked about that this morning. Forgiveness. I might be correct in saying this that all the blessings of God. Even our ability to know this God personally, not just to know there is a God, but know this God personally, is contained in this one word, forgiveness. Consider what you and I were and because of what we were, what we did before being saved. And God has forgiven us. How much? I don't like the whispers. I'm kind of a loud mouth. I can be loud. How much has he forgiven us? All. All. To Do you realize that no matter what kind of life you have lived. That if you are forgiven, you stand, not only will, but you stand today before a holy God and judge. As if you had never committed any of it. You see, being forgiven is our single most basic biggest need. And God has taken care of it. Isaiah 59, 2, the Lord is speaking. He says, your iniquities, your sin, your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. Because of our sin, God viewed us. By the way, if you're not a child of God, he still views you this way. But if you're a child of God, this is how we were viewed. He viewed us as ungodly, Romans 5, 6. Ungodly. That's the opposite of God. He viewed us as sinners, Romans 5.8. He viewed us as enemies, Romans 5.10. Do you see any sweetie pie language in that? God just loves you. He just loves you. That's all there is. He just loves you, loves you, loves you. He doesn't say that. It says that before we were saved, God is Our terrible divine foe. Amen. He's opposed to us before we were saved. He's not cuddling up next to you and say, it's okay. I understand. It'll be okay. That's not God's love. That's foolishness. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2.1. He said, we were alienated and hostile in mind, Colossians 1.21. He says, our hearts were foolish and darkened, Romans 1.21. And then the eternal consequence of all of that is in Ephesians 5.6. We were under the wrath of a holy, eternal God. But then we read in Ephesians 3, uh, two four. How many know Ephesians two four? If you don't, you should. Paul has just given you three verses, what's going on in your life before you're saved. And then he says in Romans, Ephesians 3, 4, But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love, has made us alive together in Christ. If there's no hallelujahs on that, we need to go home. There's no hallelujahs on that? No one excited about that? Everything, everything was absolute darkness and destruction and damnation. And in the face of that, God steps in, in the incarnation of his son, and at the cross, Jesus takes the entire condemnation, the entire result of all of the sin of all of his people for all time and carries it all on his shoulders to the cross to pay the full, final, and forever price for our redemption by bearing the wrath of God that we should have borne. Can you say amen? amen. You're not saying amen to me. You're saying amen what? To God. Bless your name for this. Now, I want you to look at what you wrote down on your paper and say to God, my problem is worse than that. If your paper, what you wrote on that paper isn't outweighed by this, you have a major problem. If we don't do anything else this morning, we could go home right now. Are you getting what we're saying? Is the Holy Spirit communicating to any of you? How many of us, you don't have to raise your hands, have regularly made too much of our circumstances? Regularly. And here's the deficiency. We've made too much of our circumstances because we haven't made enough of God's benefits, of God's blessings. We've relegated God's blessings and our decision to bless the Lord, we've relegated relegated it to our circumstances. And if I feel it, then I'm ready to rejoice in Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit. That's idolatry. And that's a defaming and a dishonoring of our God. That if anything, anyone in this created order in our lives could in any way to any extent affect our praise and blessing to God it's idolatry who heals all our diseases oh hallelujah I'm going to get my disease healed today Now, David, we think, I think, meant diseases. Now, that is to be taken that because we're in Christ, therefore, we'll never get sick. Any of you here who are believers, you don't get sick anymore, never, ever again? Anybody here? No. You see, although healing is about diseases... This is not a statement that God guarantees that every sin will be, every, um, disease will be healed in this life. But he does promise to heal us of our eternal sickness and give us new bodies that will experience no more illness forever. Amen. What kind of illness are you experiencing? Look, there's some bad illnesses in this body today. Some of you all are suffering from real bad physical issues, emotional issues, mental issues. There's stuff happening in your bodies. The atonement. Jesus, the son of God becoming a, a man, coming in human form. The cross and the resurrection and that God declares... First and foremost, our relationship with him is healed, and one day, certainly in this life, healing has been given to us as God appropriates and does that according to his sovereign will. We have seen people healed in this congregation. And we still, I've visited many people in the hospital, and even if they're about to die, I always, unless the Holy Spirit checks me, will ask God to, To heal. Not going to be ashamed of it. Not going to be afraid of it. Not going to be bashful. Father if it's possible would you heal. Not going to back off. Unless the Holy Spirit says don't do that. But we've seen people healed. What God provides in the atonement. One day, a new body. Now, some of us (laughs) need to be real realistic about this. You need to stand in front of the real tall mirrors with all those lights on and look at your body and say, I don't need a new body. How many of us need new bodies? (laughs) In view of that, what are you experiencing that outweighs that? What are you experiencing that outweighs it? Yeah, but I didn't get that promotion. Huh. When I was a child, my mama used to make fun of me. Huh. In view of the benefits of God. What is all that stuff? Pfft. Who redeems verse 4. Your life from the pit. There's a quote you need to write it down. Colossians one thirteen and 14. Colossians one thirteen and 14. The apostle Paul says this. Because of the death and resurrection of Jesus he says God has rescued us from the domain of darkness whose domain is that Satan we were in bondage and has transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sin Jesus has paid the price of God's justice Paying the price of the wrath of God so that we could be freed from sin's cell. We're no longer captured by sin, no longer Satan's slaves. We belong to Jesus. Romans 8.1 is a marvelous statement of that benefit. That redemption. Therefore Romans 8.1. Our redemption. What does Romans 8.1 say? There is therefore now. What? No condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you need to know these things. Or the devil will eat your lunch because you don't have any weaponry with which to defend yourself. If your children came home and they didn't know what 2 plus 2 is, you would be upset. Now Romans 5.1 is true. Romans 5.1, what is Romans 5.1? Romans Therefore, having been justified, having been declared as not guilty, having been justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that, Romans 5, 5. For the love of God has been what? Shed abroad or poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Against that worst thing, does this outweigh your worst thing? You have the Holy Spirit living in you. There is no more condemnation. Now, you who were enemies, remember Romans 5, 8? Enemies. Now what? We're at peace with God. We are now his children. We are accepted, adopted. Verse 4, the second part of verse 4. Another benefit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. David is wearing a physical crown, but that crown is symbolic of something. That, symbi- that crown is symbolic of the glory and the rule and the blessing and the presence and the faithfulness and the sovereignty of our God God. That sits on this man's head as located in that area of his body which controls everything. It is a symbol that our God reigns. Remember in Genesis chapter 3, part of the curse. And what did the Lord say to Adam? What's going to come out of the ground? Two T's. What are they? Thorns and thistles. At least that's what King James said anyway, and I know if King James said it, it's right. Thorns and thistles, what are those? Thorns and thistles are the fruit of sin and the fall. Ah, listen to this. And when those Roman soldiers took Jesus and beat him and took his robe from him, they made a crown of thorns so that he took off the crown of glory and put on the crown of our condemnation, thorns and thistles. So that when he died and he bowed his head, that crown of thorns no longer belongs to us. And we have received his crown of glory. Does that outweigh what's going on in your life? Does it or not? Yes or no? verse 5 who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles you see in verse 5 David sums it up and he says all of these blessings should create in me and us what a great satisfaction who satisfies you is god satisfactory. Oh, not theologically so. Everybody, else, everybody in here would say, well, God is satisfactory. I'm th- satisfied. I'm satisfied. But what do our reactions to life say about our real feelings about God? Too often, what do they say? God is not satisfactory. Oh, oh, amen? And how do we guard against that? <clears throat> That in any and every circumstance, mm, whatever is going on, whatever is going on, at the moment it is going on, at the moment it is going on, when, at the moment it is going on, what do we say? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. That's what we do. You see, Mike, that's difficult, isn't it? But where's the difficulty? It's difficult to overrule your circumstances in favor by faith. In the glory and in the goodness and in the power and in the work of our God. Is that where the difficulty is? It's a fleshly difficulty. Some of you people in here are heroines and a few heroes. Let me tell you. How many of you know the Vikings? How many of you remember, at least in history, some of you are old enough to remember the Vikings, right, Anna? But some of you, well, Anna Chatelaine is older than I am and she's older than dirt, probably. And so how many of you know uh, anything about the Vikings? You can raise your hand. You know, the Vikings, those people that had hats on with big horns. What was their major weapon? It was a big old axe. Are you with me? Come on, i got to know whether you're with me on that. I know you can hear me, but are you with me? So what do we call these axes? Battle axe. What was the purpose of a battle axe? To defend against the enemies and tear them to pieces. Let me tell you something. There are some women in this church who are battle axes. (laughs) No, they are. They are women who get here sometimes on the thread of an ability. Because they are going to be with us who worship God on Sunday mornings. Their lives are like a battle axe in the hand of the Holy Spirit. So when Satan and the world and experiences and circumstances say, don't go today. They smash against it and say, I'm going because my God is worth it. Eva Quo is here this morning with Ben. And her beloved Alex died several weeks ago. What day did he go to be with the lord wednesday or thursday i don't remember wednesday sunday but he was here is what i'm getting at when this man physically everything said you can't go don't go this man says i'm going he's a battle axe And our worshiping God and our praising God and our blessing God is, as it were, taking a battle axe of praise and smashing it against everything and anything that raises its head in opposition to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Let me end this this way. By the way, when a preacher says he's ending, it doesn't mean anything about 10, 15 minutes. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, listen to what Paul says about his experiences. Listen carefully. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. He's telling all the difficulties he's had. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, 40 lashes less one. Five times he was beaten, 39 times. Three times I was beaten with rods. (laughs) Once I was stoned. Remember Lystra? He was left for dead. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys and dangers from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brethren. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, and often without food, in cold and in exposure. Did your resume fit this? Now, did you just hear what I said? Paul... That's on one side of Paul's ledger of life, all those verses, from 25 to 28. I didn't read 28, but you can read that. Now, listen to the other side of the ledger from Philippians chapter 4. I'll get to it in a moment. Paul says this. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 and 13. He says, I have learned to be content, satisfied. In whatever circumstances I am, I know how to get along with humble means and also how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance i have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry both of having abundance and in suffering what in any and every circumstance he has learned this therefore you know what paul could say confidently in philippians 4:13 what was his conclusion I will bless the Lord in midst of everything. I will bless him. I will bless him. I will praise him. I will thank him. I will praise him. I will bless him. I don't care what's going on. I'm going to bless the Lord. I'm making a decision. I will not let anything get in the way. I will use the battle axe of blessing and I will tear down anything that attempts to overrun my life. I will bless him and bless him and bless him and bless him. And if it's all I'm going to do, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to bless him. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me that's why you can do all things through Christ don't take it out of context it's not a word that every Christian can do all things that's not right I said David all knew the blessings of God and trying to wind this up let me say it this way there are two things David knew he knew the blessings of God and secondly he knew the end of the story. How many of you remember watching, what was it, 2000? When did we win the Super Bowl? Oh nine, February of 10? Were you with me? Saints won the Super Bowl. Some of you remember that? How many of you watched it? You know, it's okay. We were right in here. How many of you were nervous while it was going on? <laughs> and said, so that happened. Oh, that's not good. They fumble. Oh, wow! How many of you could? While wow, you're watching the game, and who was it? The Giants or the uh, New York? Who was it? Can't hear you. Who? Any Colts? Oh, that's right. Pat Manning. <laughs> so, and so they get a touchdown, and how many of you could say, "Praise God"? Well, no. Why can you praise God? Because it looks like we're going to lose the game. But how many of you know the end of the game and then you go back and listen? Come on, come on. You know the game's going to win and you sit there and things are going bad and sour and interceptions and fumbles. And you just sitting there saying, praise God, praise God. Come on, come on, come on. Right? I mean, it totally changes everything. Praise God, praise God. You know, if my wife could watch football, knowing the end, she wouldn't suffer as much. (laughs) So we failed, didn't get the kick. Praise God. Why, Chris? I know the end of the story. That was a bad call, praise God. Because I know we've never had bad calls. Why? Why can you? Why, why, Diane? Because what? I know the end of the story. Are you with me on this? We know God blesses us. And here's the end of the story. Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. We know the end of the story. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. He's talking about us. And he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and will be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old things have passed away. We know the end of the game. So look at your piece of paper and in relation to knowing the end of the story can you say that whatever it is that you just wrote down outweighs that. Can you say that? So here's how we close. You leave here today and I must give you a warning, and I really mean this. Satan is, now that we've done this, you're in trouble. Now, oh, Satan is going to test. Sorry about that, Gwen. Billy, sorry about that. Satan's going to test you. He's going to say, oh, you heard that earlier? Let's see. Let's see. Felinda. Let's see. We'll see. And when the test comes or whatever, decide. Write it down. Make a little thing on and put it on your mirror, your dashboard, whatever. But bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, what? Bless his holy name. If this word today is meaningful to you, it is only meaningful to you if you do it. Otherwise, it becomes an academic exercise of just having heard something from someone. So let's be a church that when life slams against us, and it's going to, and some of you have really been slammed, and some of us will be slammed I'm not going to let the devil win this. I'm not going to let the devil be my God. I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually. How often? Continually. In whatever circumstance, continually. In the midst of the worst thing, what? Continually. His praise will be in my mouth. Why? Because he's our God. Amen? Amen. We finished. Goodbye.